0: You know, we are incredibly, incredibly blessed with the tremendous, tremendous music ministry at our church family. I thank God for those who have lead us every every week, not only just on Sunday mornings, but they lead us into the very throne room of God Himself. And I am just so very thankful. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. Gospel of John, chapter 15. Let me remind you where we've been for a while now. Um, We took a, a time to set aside and just study what was going on that last night before Jesus was betrayed, before He was arrested in the garden, that last night before He began His walk that ended up at the cross. And so we've, we've systematically been, been through that. And in the 14th chapter especially, uh, it's a focus of Jesus. He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. Why was He saying that? He knew that He was about to share with them that He was going to die, that He was going to be killed. And so he wanted them to be very sure of the things that would give them hope, that would give them peace, that would be an anchor for them during this very, very difficult time. He says in that same chapter, peace I leave with you. Not not just the peace like the world has, but my peace I'm giving to you. And that was just so incredibly powerful for them to have the very peace of Almighty God Himself. And he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, one exactly like I am myself, to where when He comes, I'm coming to you. So all of these things he was saying to create this atmosphere and to create that, that he wanted them to be at peace. He wanted them to be safe. He knew what was going to happen to him. But he wanted them to have a real sense of peace. That their hearts weren't troubled. So that's what leads up right to where we start off uh, today. So if you will, read with me from the 15th chapter, beginning in verse 1. Will you follow along, please? Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he your Bible may say takes away or removes. We're going to come back to that. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That may be the word in your Bible. That it may bear more more fruit. You can do nothing. Let's pray. When we read Your Word, immediately, Lord, we want to pray. We want to pray before that You would open our eyes, and then we want to pray after we've read Your Word that You would apply that Word to our hearts. So here we are today. We have worshipped You. We've entered into Your presence. And You have just so mightily moved in our hearts already. We're confident that you're with us through all that we're going through. And that sets a a stage for where we are in the Scriptures right now. Bring that peace. Bring that, that presence into our troubled hearts today. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to remind you of something. The vine was always an important image, an important symbol in Israel. And it stood for uh, the nation of Israel, unless otherwise explained. It stood for the nation of Israel. And when the temple, the beautiful temple that was built, the one that Jesus actually went to, when, when He would go there, the whole upper portion of the temple was lined in solid gold. And there was images all the way around that of this grapevine that just wandered all over it. And these... Clusters of grapes were like six foot tall. I'm six foot tall. This is how big those clusters of grapes, solid gold, were that hung, especially around the doorways of the temple. I say that to say for the people of Israel, this whole concept of the grapevine and the vine dresser, this is something that was very familiar to them. This is something they were used to seeing and used to hearing. So when Jesus shows up at this point, he, he changes the analogy a little bit. He said, I am the vine. You know, several times in the book of John, especially it's recorded where Jesus said that, I am statements. And that's where he identifies with God. Well, Here he says, I am the true vine. The true vine. And then he says, now my father is the vine dresser. He's the one who cares for the vines and the branches. And then we get down in verse 5 and he says, now, I am the vine, you are the branches. So we see the people involved. The vine, that's Jesus. The vine dresser, that's the Father. The branches, that's us. And so we got introduced to those characters last week. Today I want us to go further and see what is the work here the vine dresser is doing. Okay? What is it he does in relation to these branches and the vine? That is so imperative. And what is it that He's doing that is to bring comfort? That's to bring peace. That's to to bring them a sense of His presence and that all is going to be okay when everything goes crazy. Alright? So this is the context. Keep this in mind, if you will. Now as I read these verses, can I share with you that I find bad news as well as good news? Have you found that sometimes when you go to the Scriptures and you're reading there are some things that just bless your heart? They just feel all kinds of warm fuzzies that get all over you right there. And there are other times you read something and you say, huh? And you have to stop back and step back and say, now wait a minute, What's, what's this saying to me? Well, that's important because there's a couple of key words right here, which depending on how you translate them can be bad news or good news. Okay. Bad news or good news. And it's imperative that we understand just a little bit. So I hope I don't get too technical for you. But this makes all the difference in the world in understanding the Scriptures right here. Because again, what is it Jesus trying to do? Let not your heart be troubled. Peace I am giving to you. My very presence I am wanting to bring to you. And these are things that should comfort us in these agonizing times. But look, if you will, with me in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now, he's talking about Christians. He's talking about believers here, okay? Every believer, everybody's been grafted into Jesus. Everybody's been saved. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he removes, takes it away. Does that bother anybody but me? Okay? And then he goes on to say, every branch that bears fruit... He prunes, there's another word, that it may bear more fruit. Now now again, does that, does that bother you any? I want you, I want you to, to, to see something. Maybe it's my own craziness, okay? And I've got plenty of it to share. Maybe it's my own craziness. But it seems to me that what he is saying is, look, if you're a believer in Christ and you're not producing fruit, you're not seeing, I'm not seeing the character of Christ in your life, I'm not seeing you bringing other people to, to faith in Christ, I'm not seeing there being transformation in your life Quack, cut you off, throw you in the fire. That's what it seems to say, isn't it? And and then it goes on and says, Now, I'm watching you, and if you're just producing a little bit of fruit, little bits and pieces of fruit, not really big, voluptuous fruit, then cut you off, chunk you in the fire. How does that square with, Let not your heart be troubled. My peace I want to give you. I'll tell you, that's not real peaceful. Alright? How does it say, I want to be here with you, and I'm going to, I, I want my presence to be here with you? Please let the Word of God grapple with it every now and then. Go ahead and get there and wrestle with it sometimes, when somehow it doesn't seem like it's just what you've always learned in Sunday school or whatever. The Word of God is active, living, and alive, and it's to, to do work within our heart. Now, I, I want to share with you that, that many translations follow something very similar to this, but there are other translations that translate this differently. Why? Because there are two key words here that have two different translations to them, two different definitions to them. And you need to know that. Okay? The first one right here takes away that word, Iro is the way it's pronounced. That, that word, the main definition, if you look in a, in a, in a Greek dictionary, The main definition for that word is lifts up or takes up. Okay? That's the main definition you'll see. I checked it again this morning. I pulled out a couple on my shelf and went online and got a couple. The number one definition of that word is to lift up, to rise up. And way down the list, if you can find it at all, and two of mine didn't even find it at all, is this matter about taking away. So, so there are two different definitions and it seems here is, is the secondary definition but it's, it's, it's in the verse here. And this is God's Word so we don't want to mess around with it, okay? But then down further it says and the branch that bears fruit he prunes. Now this is interesting. This word "kathairo" in the Greek everywhere you look the definition of "kathairo" is to cleanse or purify. And only way down the list, if you can find it at all, is this concept of pruning. So what's going on right here to where these translators, great, wonderful men of God, taking the the original language and they're trying to put it here before us, and they, they put here, pardon me, the worst possible definition, the harshest understanding of what those words are. Well, let's think a little bit. What is this about this pruning? What is this about this process that goes on? That maybe we can learn a little bit there. Last week, we talked a little bit about that pruning and uh, talked about whether we don't know a lot about vineyards and grapevines and such as that. We know a lot about our tomato plants, and we do love our tomato plants. And one of the things that you have to do if you're going to raise good quality tomatoes is when those little sucker shoots come out from the edge of the, uh, of the vine then they branch off like that, they're not big enough, they're not going to sustain any real growth so you snip them off, okay? You, you, you pop them off, you cut them off, whatever. Uh, they're called suckers for a reason because they sap all of the energy and all out of the plant and all they produce is leaves, okay? So a good gardener, somebody that really understands what they're doing with the tomato plant, as, as it grows, will pinch these little suckers off all along. Now that's very similar to what happens with, with, garden, with uh, uh, the vine dresser. You know, not every little shoot is important. Some of those will bear wonderful grapes. Some of them will not. And the vine dresser, so well-skilled, knows which ones. And if it's something that's just going to be sapping all the strength Sapping all the energy out of the vine, but not producing anything, that's the one he whacks off. But also, when you find out about these grapevines, and I, I had a neighbor that, that had one, uh, well, that had a, 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 a vineyard, and I noticed when it got past the growing season, when all of the branches were all brittle and such as that, then he would come in there and he would cut that thing down to the nub, okay? you would think, that thing's never going to grow again. Because he'd cut it down so harshly. But he knew what he was doing. What The growing season was over. Pruning of that magnitude never happens during the growing season. This is something that that does not affect, this doesn't ouch the plant. Okay. This takes off that which is only going to uh, breed disease or be a place for insects to have entry, you know. And so the vine dresser knows that after all the productivity is gone and the season is over. then you, That's when you go back and you prone the big stuff away. But these two things are very common in <clears throat> the translations. Though they're really exceptional when it comes to actually being a vine dresser. But let me ask you something. Here's what troubles me. Is Jesus saying, If you're not being productive, I'm done with you. Is he saying, if you're not producing up to my standard, I'm done with you. Does that sound like the Lord Jesus that we read about in the rest of Scripture? It just doesn't sound like him, does it? You know, he's the one who says that he's here with us regardless from thick or thin. I'll never ever leave you. I'll never forsake you. And yet, this seems to give the indication that, man, if you don't, if you don't step up, What's this mean for us as believers? I mean, you need to start taking inventory right now. I mean, how, how productive are you? Because if you're not very productive, maybe what the Scripture says, here it comes. Jesus is going to cut you off, chunk you into fire, and we know what that means, all right? The other translation, the more prominent translation of each of these words, says this. The brand, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. It has his undivided attention. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. Why does he lift up? It's fallen on the ground. It's not productive. But he lifts it up. What does he do? He intertwines it into the trellis. He wraps it around the little pieces of string or wire or whatever. Uh, uh, he gives it support. Gives it what it needs. And then he goes on, and says, and then, then the divine that is not pr- that's producing bearing fruit. He prunes. If that word is cleansed, just like it is down in verse three, you are already clean. That's the same word. How about that? Same word, but translated in two different ways. Just a few, just a few, less, uh, you know, words apart. So, it, it, the, first, the that bears some fruit, what he's going to do is he's going to clean it. Now, one of the things the divine dresser does when there's this dust storm coming in or whatever the case may be, he will literally clean the entire vineyard. Every bit of it. Because that, that, that coverage of dust and dirt will keep the leaves from being able to receive all the, the sunshine and all it needs for good growth. So, if this is what it's saying, any, verse of me that, uh, any person in me that's not bearing fruit, what am I going to do? I'm going to lift him up. And I'm going to clean him up. And I'm going to reattach him to the trellis in such a way that he's going to be able to produce good fruit. Now I suggest to you, that's more in character with Jesus. That's more in line with Jesus saying, I don't want your heart to be troubled. I I want you to have peace. I tell you, it wouldn't bring me much peace if I thought for a moment, if if I didn't measure up, he's going to whack me off and throw me to hell. That wouldn't bring me a lot of peace. My, my, my heart would be troubled thinking that if I don't produce enough, he's going to whack me down. I feel with all my heart the best translation here, what it says, is for those who are not bearing fruit, I'm going to clean them, I'm going to lift them up, I'm going to get them back to where they have every possibility to be able to be productive. Now, Having said that, let me step away just a little bit and, and step a little bit into some application I want you to see here. I think both there's an element of truth in both of these. There's an element of truth in both of these. Jesus does do some serious pruning work in my work, life and yours. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about it as chastening or chastisement. Discipline, okay? God brings discipline into my life. I don't know about you, but when I get out of line with him, he, he, he makes me toe the line. He'll bring some discipline in my life. And I trust He does that with you. Part of that is pruning. When, when you and I were first saved, Jesus came at us with the pruning shears, and you know what He cut away? He cut away all of our sin. He cut away all of our shame. He cut away all of our guilt. He cut away everything that, was, that had diseased us and was causing us not to be productive. Hallelujah. He cut all that away at the very beginning. But you know what, folks? As we grow in Christ, as he, he takes our sin away, but you know something that doesn't disappear? Our sinful nature. Our old hearted, hard-headed ways of doing things. Hard-headed ways of thinking. And we're not immediately transformed to be these perfect saints, or at least I wasn't. Now, maybe y'all qualified as that, but I sure didn't. So, He this vine dresser, because all of this works over time, he spent all my life in the process of doing some pruning in my life. Things that need to be removed. Things that, 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 that were just sapping the energy out of me. You see those little, those little sucker shoots? What were they doing? Sapping the energy out of me. So what were those, some of those things that, that he might be removing from your life? He, he may say, look, I need to prune this because it's just sucking all of the spiritual life out of you and it's not producing any fruit. See, Jesus does that. He knows how to do that. God, Father, is the master gardener. And He loves the vine. That's His Son, Jesus. And He loves us because we're in the vine. We're interconnected with Him. And it is out of that love and desire for us to be productive, He's going to do whatever it takes in our lives. Part of that is going to be the process of some things need to be removed. Other things, though... You know what, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I've been really on top of things. I've been really living a good, successful, victorious Christian life. But then I've had those times that, man, I've backslid. I, I, I fall right back down in the gutter. I get back into the old way of thinking and some of the old ways of acting. And what have I done? I have fallen down, and I've gotten dirty in this world. This world is walking all over me, and I am not productive. What does God do? Does He come in and cut me off? No comes in and He he gently lifts me up and cleanses all of the things of the world that has gotten all over me off. And He gets me re-entwined in the trellis of God's Word and of the good disciplines and a quiet time and peace and intimacy with Him. This is the picture of Jesus. This says, let not your heart be troubled. This says... My peace I'm going to give you. This says I'm going to be right there personally with you. It's because the vine dresser loves his vine and loves his branches that he does all of this to make us productive. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But it's always imperative. Let me just talk about me for a little bit. Tell you some of the things that God's had to really work on me. Things she's had to bring pruning into my life. The ways he's had to lift me up and clean me up and put me back the way he wants me to be. My mother was a chameleon. You know that little critter that can change color and be the color of whatever the environment is around them? that was my mom and she could change colors because she had a tremendous ability to know what it was that you wanted out of her and that's what she would become she was a master liar a master fabricator and whatever it was however she needed to look or act or be that's, that's what she would become for the people around her she taught me well She taught me well. I learned from one of the best. But it became ever so toxic in my life. When that becomes toxic, it's referred to as performance-based acceptance syndrome. That means I gathered my sense of worth, my my, my value as an individual, my reason to live off of other people's acceptance of me. And whatever it took For that person or that group of people to be happy with me, to accept me, to love me. That's the person I would become. Even if it was a bold-faced lie. Because my very worth as an individual, my value as a person, depended on you liking me and accepting me. Now that's a terrible way to live, folks. You don't ever know who the real you is. You've got to have an incredible mind to know what you told this one and what you told this one and what you told this one to where you can be that person when you're around them. And when they get in the same room together, you've got to be that homogenized group of the two. Pitiful way to live. But I was nobody if the people that I put value in didn't accept me and receive me. And So then I came to faith in Christ. Then I came to faith in Christ. Now, oh, boy, so much better, right? (laughs) No, now I had a heavenly Father that was more demanding than my earthly Father. And as I read this passage of Scripture, I said, I quit! There's no way I can satisfy the demands of Almighty God! He might as well just cut me off and throw me away right now. Because if I had to do right, if I had to please Him, if I had to do everything just according to the rule book and get all checked off as right in order to be accepted and loved, I was doomed, my friends. I was doomed. But then I had some wonderful godly counselors that took the Word of God and poured into me and showed me that I am accepted in Jesus. I'm accepted in the Beloved. I am loved because I am His. Do your children have to perform to a certain level for you to love them? No. That's ridiculous, isn't it? And yet, that's what a PBA thinking gives you. You accept your children unconditionally. Now, you want them to be their best, You want them to do well. You get all over them if they've been slacking off. Yes, and I did to mine too. But I never hung the acceptance of love on top of their performance because I'd live my life that being done to me. Then I was called to be a pastor. Do you know how hard it is to satisfy a whole congregation of people? Do you know how unpleasing you can be Because we're people. And we're different. Each and every one of us are different. We have different preferences and different needs for their pastor or whatever the case may be. But I became a pastor. And then then I I, I let my congregation... I was a slave to my congregation. Sixteen hours a day. Whatever it would take to be there. And let me, I, I got married and then we had these boys coming along and such as that. And I was, I was gone seven days a week meeting the needs of these people that if they weren't happy with me, they may not love me anymore. And a young deacon friend came over to my house one night and we talked about some other matters. And he said, Brother Fred Valeria, taking the boys up to put them to bed, he said, Brother Fred, I, I, I'm scared to do this, but I have to tell you, you are sacrificing your family on the altar of the church and God is not pleased with your sacrifice. Man, I wanted to take him out. But as that began to gnaw on me and chew on me, I realized something. I was finding my acceptance in the wrong place. God had called me to find my acceptance totally in Him. To preach and to work to an audience of one, and He was that one. To love His people absolutely, but to understand my acceptance and my worth and my value is something that was bestowed on me, given to me by grace, God in Christ not something that I could earn on my own I can't tell you how freeing that was I love my people all the most I still get all bent out of shape when you're not happy with me but I know that doesn't impact my value and worth at my identity as a person not wrapped up there anymore because I had so many key people walk out of my life my mother my father my grandparents, uncles. I was alone as a 14-year-old with a 4-year-old brother and a 2-year-old sister. We were on our own. And let me tell you, when that happens, you can have some serious trust issues. And so I made up my mind, I, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm not going to trust anybody to get inside this anymore. No! Because when you trust people... They may walk out on you and it's going to hurt. So just don't trust people. Don't, 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 don't trust people. Don't put your heart out there. Don't, don't, don't put your heart on the line. You don't to live so far that way. God said, my son, we've got to cut away this untrusting. You, you, you've got to You've got to venture to love people and totally invest in their lives. But God, they may hurt me. Yes, they hurt me. And I guarantee you they'll hurt you. But you can't live with this wall around you that you won't trust people. You've got to open your heart. You've got to be trusting. You've got to accept people where they are. You've got to dare to believe in them. And it hurts. Let me tell you. One more thing. Then we'll end. Because of the way I spent so much of my life. I found it a whole lot easier to hold a grudge than it was to forgive. It was a whole lot easier to write somebody off. Than it was to forgive them. For what they had done. My biological father walked out of our life when I was 18 months old. Never met him until I was 16 years old. At that time, he wanted to come back into my life. My my natural person, just me in the flesh, said, no! Not going to give you access to me. Not going to let you in here. You abandoned me. You know, the Bible talks about an unforgiving spirit rising up within us and defiling everything it touches. And that, that unforgiving spirit was defiling everything within me and everything I touched. And God says, Son, I've got to lift you up out of this. I've got to cleanse you from this. I'm going to have to cut this unforgiving spirit away. You don't need that. It is destroying you. And it's destroying others as well. I hope by my being honest and transparent before you, you'll begin to look into your own heart. What is it that the the master gardener, the master vine dresser is saying into your life right now? Son, daughter, we need to prune some of this away. I know you're hurt, but I need to lift you up out of all of that pain. And I need to cleanse you of all of this. And we need to remove some things that are really just sapping the spiritual life out of you. You have nothing left because you're just being sapped by this unforgiveness or by this lack of trust or by this weird way of thinking about things. Are you hearing me, folks? Holy Spirit's the only one who can put His finger on that. I, I, I can't put my finger on that. I don't, don't diagnose that. But Holy Spirit does. And right here today, right out of the Word of God, He's saying, listen, I love you. You are mine. You are grafted into me. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But we've got we've to do some cleansing." We've got to do some lifting up. We've got to do some pruning. What is it in your heart right now that God is speaking into the depths of who you are and saying, this needs to change. You Bow your heads a minute. Let's do business with Him. Father God, I want to thank You that You don't Prune me to throw me away. You prune those things in my life that are keeping me from being all the man of God you want me to be. You're never going to give up on me. Sometimes you call me to have to give up on others. People that have violated my trust. People have stuck the knife in my back and twisted it. People that I thought that I could totally, totally, totally trust who are no longer there. Father, today we need to confess some hurts to you. We need to confess some pain to you. Not just to grouse, but to where you can bring in healing and wholeness. Lord, it's just like going to the doctor. I I knew something was wrong with me. I didn't want to go to the doctor and find out that I had something wrong with me. Found out it was worse than I thought it was. But Lord, you used those surgeons and they worked in my life and you have just given me a whole new lease on life. But how foolish it would have been for me to say, I don't want that surgeon cutting on me. How foolish it would be for us today to say to you, Lord, I don't want you pruning on me. Father, right now, can we say yes to you? Yes, for you to come and do your wonderful work in our lives. Father, in just a moment, as the praise team begins to sing, it's going to be an invitation time for for us to come to the altar and pray, to just simply come with an open hand and say, "Lord, here's my life. I, I want you, to, I trust you to to treat me and do whatever you need to in my life. Lord, there may be someone to come to the altar and just pray. Pray for themselves and pray for their friends or their family. Others, Lord, may want to come and unite with our fellowship. Or come and pray with me and Brother Derek. Or come come and just say, Lord, I I need Jesus to come into my life. I need need to be cleansed of all of this stuff. I need a Savior. Lord, as this song is sung, this is your time to do business with us moment as we stand and as we start to sing will you tug at our hearts to come before you and confess you in Christ's name we pray Amen